All right, we can go ahead and uh, and get started here. Thanks everybody for joining. Um, just to, to recap briefly, so the goal of this call is to dig into some of the, the tactical requirements for uh, deploying things like a new Bean ETH pool or a new Bean LUSD pool in the short term, and also to talk a little bit about uh, you know the the progress on on wells and how that relates to prioritization around uh, these sorts of things. So. Um, yeah, feel free to jump in. Um, if you have any questions, I'll try to just like keep the uh, keep the discussion flowing here, and and otherwise, um, yeah, let's just get into it. So maybe we can start uh, with with Publius. Uh, Publius, you want to talk a little bit about um, you know specifically the the requirements for creating something like a new uh, a new pool and, and help folks understand kind of what goes into that. Happy to. Um, so guess just to briefly touch on, you know, kind of what the options are for new pools, um, you know, as, as, you know, most of us are aware when it comes to deploying a new pool on a DEX, you know, this is normally a permissionless action. Permissionless in the sense that anyone can go ahead and deploy a liquidity pool with whatever tokens they want to have in there. Um, the, you know, the main DEXs we've worked so far, uh, you know, Beanstalk has somehow incorporated, um, have been Uniswap V2. Um, Beanstalk initially launched with a Bean ETH, uh, pool on Uniswap V2. Pre-exploit, we also added a Bean 3 curve meta pool and a Bean LUSD plane pool. It's important to note kind of the distinction between a plane pool and a meta pool as it relates to curve, because how the pools function and the amount of, you know, the work that will be required to implement any of these pools to Beanstalk in any way, uh, you know, varies. So just because Beanstalk currently supports a Bean3 curve pool doesn't mean that if we launch a Bean LUSD pool, it'll be a trivial task to get the BNL USD pool whitelisted, enabled for converts, and potentially minting. Um, so perhaps let's uh, you know start with talking about an ETH pool. Um, with an ETH pool, uh, you know as stated, Beanstalk initially deployed with a Uniswap V2 Bean ETH pool. Um, now there are plenty of DEXs out there. Uh, most notably, you know there's the option of Curve V2. Curve V2 allows concentrated liquidity and variable fees, um, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's it's unclear how beneficial that is to Beanstalk in its current state. Um, thus, you know, logically, it would make the most sense to probably proceed with a Uniswap V2 pool. Um, some things to note here. Uniswap V2 pools are forced to use a 0.3% fee. Um, 0.3% fee is fairly large, especially compared to the existing Bean 3 curve pool. And what this means is that converts and arbitrage operations, both above and below the peg, are likely to be less uh, attractive to, you know, uh, you know, silo members and, you know, uh, you know, any sort of, you know, arbitrage operators because of the additional fee. Um, however, you know, Beanstalk survived for, you know, months with the 0.3% Bean ETH, uh, you know, pool. So don't think that's very significant. In terms of the technical work, um, 
to incorporate a pool into Beanstalk, there are three different, uh, you know, kind of ways in which a pool can be whitelisted. Uh, you know, the first of which is whitelisted for siloed deposit. In order to be whitelisted for siloed deposit, Beanstalk must be able to calculate the value of a given token in beans. This is, uh, you know, most notably done through the use of a BDV function. And um, I guess to talk a little bit about what, what requirements for, for an Oracle are. Um, you know, as, as we're well aware, you know, the, the majority of the Bean community is aware by this point. Um, you know, when it comes to Oracles, we have to make sure that they're flash loan resistant. And as the merge has recently occurred, it's important to also consider, you know, potential multi-block MEV exploitation. When it comes to the oracles available in a Uniswap V2 pool, Uniswap only stores a cumulative balance. A cumulative balance uh, basically is when every time someone interacts with the pool, the pool will add the balances before that operation times the amount of seconds have passed to the cumulative sum and essentially just stores a running sum of the price in the pool at every second. This is a arithmetic, you know, it's, it can be used to calculate arithmetic SMA means, and this was used for minting. Um, when it came to calculating the BDV of a bean ETH uh, token, before the exploit, Beanstalk used a system where it, uh, and I guess maybe it's helpful to compare that to Curve, and what is eventually in store uh, for Wells. So just to reiterate, the, the Uniswap V2 pool is only capable of reporting an oracle in the form of a cumulative balance, which means in this pool, we can do two things. We can determine what the balance in the pool is now, or we can snapshot the cumulative at some time, snapshot the cumulative at some end time, and calculate the average over that range. What's significant here is there's no natural way to calculate an instantaneous uh, flash loan resistant price as in order to use the cumulative balance oracle we have to snapshot it at some previous time that should be relatively recent in the past um, in order to make sure that um, you know, in order to make sure that the Oracle price doesn't deviate too far from the spot price. Um, so now maybe let's jump into curve pools. Curve pools initially were deployed with two different types of Oracles. The first Oracle is the cumulative balance Oracle, which is uh, it shares in common with the Uniswap V2 Oracle. The second Oracle is the last Brock price Oracle where it looks at the reserves at the end of the last block, creating flash loan resistance. As if someone were to manipulate the prices in this block, then the last block price wouldn't change. However, this does not in any way create any sort of multi-block exploitation resistance because it's only able to look at the the last block's price, not some price that's averaged over a longer time frame or from a previous a block before last block. So multi-block MEV is still possible to manipulate last block price 
or less block balance oracles as, you know, say someone was able to propose two blocks in a row. They could just perform the buy operation in the first block. Then when the second block gets mined, which they also have control over, meaning they can make sure that no transaction that would sell in that pool gets into that block. Someone could perform a operation that reads that Oracle as the Oracle price is still in a manipulated state, the Oracle result will be manipulated. And then the person could sell back down, completing the sequence of manipulating the price, performing an operation and putting the price back to where it was without the ability for anyone else to perform a transaction. So the curve pool has the benefit of being able to use this last block price, but in the long term, you know, kind of time horizon, um, it's still not very feasible to use as an Oracle for everything, given that it doesn't allow us to use multi-block or it doesn't provide any multi-block MEV resistance. Um, so when it comes to kind of wells, the idea is that Oracles will be able to be permissionlessly chosen when a pool is being deployed, meaning theoretically any Oracle could be attached to a pool. And, you know, the whole Beanstalk community has done a great job of discussing what uh, multi-block MEV resistant oracles would look like and how can we can, uh, or how this can be attained through Wells. Um, you know, so Wells, you know, hopefully will be able to solve this kind of oracle problem that has plagued existing DEXs on layer one right now. So I guess now that, that you know, kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, uh, an overview of kind of the state of Curve, I, I guess one more thing that's important to note about Curve. So Curve at some point upgraded their factory contract to uh, a version two. And the original contract, people are only able to deploy metapools. In the new contract, People can deploy meta pools, plane pools, and there's another contract that allows for crypto V2 pools. What's extremely important to note about the new factory is when the new factory was deployed, all Oracle functionality was removed from the pools. What this means is if someone, you know, it, 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 you know if a pool is deployed with the new factory, it's not going to have the cumulative balance oracle or the last block oracle, which means deploying a plain pool that's capable of being able to mint isn't necessarily within the realm of what's possible, at least through the base functionality of Curve, given that the Curve factory does not in include any oracles. With the original Bean 3 Curve pool, and the Bean 3 curve pool deployed at replant, we use the old curve factory because remember that allows anyone to deploy meta pools. So for a meta pool, like a Bean 3 curve meta pool, the old factory can be used. However, in the case of a Bean LUSD pool or a Bean ETH pool deployed through curve, the oracles will not natively be included. So now to jump into kind of what's required to whitelist and use a pool in Beanstalk. Going back to kind of the silo, it was mentioned that in order to whitelist a token into a silo, we need a BDV Oracle. And a BDV Oracle needs to return an instantaneous 
flash loan and multi-block MEV resistant value in order to be fully secure based on the current understanding of potential attacks or manipulations on oracles. So therefore, exploring kind of the options of what we've talked about, it should be noted that neither Uniswap V2 nor Curve has any sort of multi-block MEV resistant measures in place, which means if Beanstalk is going to potentially whitelist one of, uh, you know, uh, another pool that uses, um, or, you know, an LP token that either uses Curve or Uniswap, so, you know, vulnerability and susceptibility to multi-block MEV attacks will still be possible. Now, given that, you know, the cost of an MEV attack is very expensive and requires, you know, uh, you know, kind of some probability to go in your favor, it also would require someone to be able to acquire a lot of beans while simultaneously crashing the price of bean in order to inflate the value of an LP token in terms of bean. So kind of from that context, you know, if a bean, if, if a new pool were to be created with bean and whitelisted into the silo, you know, either new additional risk, you know, or additional kind of uh, protection variables would need to be added to prevent MEV, uh, multi-block MEV manipulation, or it will have to be kind of risk, risk accepted by the DAO overall, which is never ideal. To, to discuss the state of development, or I guess, you know, now moving on to convert. Convert oracles have historically used the instantaneous value. And, you know, whether it will remain on instantaneous value post-Wells is a, you know, a topic for discussion. Um, but, you know, currently any pool that exists is capable of returning the instantaneous balances in the pool and thus convert can be done in any pool. Assuming that we're eight, we have an oracle to compute the price of the other asset in terms of dollars. In the case of a beneath pool, what this means is we would need a way to determine the price of ETH in dollars. Now, this can be done using Uniswap v3 pools, Uniswap v2 pool, Chainlink, whatever. In the case of BNL USD pool to enable converts, we would need to be able to determine the price of LUSD in a dollar. This was going to be done uh, pre-exploit through the Bean or, or the LUSD three-curve curve pool and can still be done that way. When it comes to minting, we need or Beanstalk needs a way to compute the average balances of the pool over the course of a season, which is possible with a cumulative balance oracle, which both the original Curve Factory and Uniswap V2 support. However, it should be noted that neither of these DEXs have any sort of multi-block MEV resistance built into their oracles. Um, you know, maybe to discuss what multi-block MEV resistance might look like is um, think Uniswap V3 is the first is a good step in the right direction where they use a geometric mean instead of an arithmetic mean when computing oracle balances, um, which is something you know that will be discussed and looked into uh, when building wells. But in general, um, you know, geometric means cause outliers to be weighted less when it comes to actually computing the mean. So the effect of someone 
performing a multi-block MEV on a TWAP is much lower when it comes to a geometric mean. Um, you know, it should be noted that uh, with geometric mean oracles, um, you know, uh, multi-block MEV manipulation is still possible. The effect of it is just dampened by the geometric mean. Some other things that can be done are setting rates on how quickly the oracle value can change. Maybe perhaps uh, a rate is enforcing the oracle value can only change 10% a block or something or 20% a block. Um, and again, this is some this specific safeguard is something that has never actually been implemented in an on-chain oracle. But you know, kind of the combination of you know uh, this rate of change safeguard with a geometric mean, you know, is what get, starts to get us into a place where it looks like we might have potential protection against multi-block MEV resistance. Um, but just to reiterate, you know, both Uniswap v2 and Curve have no safeguards at all. Maybe just to touch on Uniswap v3, um, you know, because it was mentioned, uh, Uniswap v3 liquidity positions are tokenized as NFTs instead of ERC20 tokens. And thus, uh, and currently, the Silo v2 and Beanstalk only supports whitelisting of ERC20 tokens. So in order to use a Uniswap v3 pool, the silo would either have to be upgraded to support NFTs or somehow Uniswap V3 would need to be tokenized into an ERC-20 token that can then be deposited into the silo, um, which introduces all sorts of assumptions about where people are allowed to provide range liquidity, um, you know, and how liquidity is shifted, which doesn't really allow Uniswap V3 to be used to its full effect, um, but nonetheless is, is possible. So kind of across the board, you know, any pool that wants full functionality in Beanstalk needs an instantaneous uh, manipulation resistant Oracle in order to be whitelisted into the silo. Currently needs an instantaneous balance Oracle to be whitelisted for convert. And it needs a cumulative balance Oracle, you know, uh, or, you know, uh, manipulation resistant Oracle to be whitelisted for minting. Maybe a little bit to talk about where development or, you know, kind of past developments in regards to implementing, uh, you know, these types of pools and kind of where that code sits now and how much work would need to be done. Um, originally in Beanstalk, uh, you know, Beanstalk, uh, when it was first deployed, supported a Bean ETH pool, both for BDV, minting, and convert. That logic exists. Uh, you know, does not exist in Beanstalk today and was removed with the replant, um, but, you know, could be added with some serious work, uh, you know, re-implemented, you know, through, you know, the BDV facet and the convert facet and the season facet. However, you know, any code that should be added should definitely be thoroughly audited and, you know, should be, you know, uh, you know thoroughly considered whether it is worth adding so much code that may only end up being temporary. Um, you know, any time where a lot of oracles are being added, changed, modified, you know, there are the, the amount of, you know, the potential for risk, uh, you know, exponentially increases given how, you know, oracle, uh, you know, manipulation is, you know, one of the, the, the biggest causes of exploits throughout kind of crypto. 
Um, to talk on the being LUSD pool side, um, assuming that you know the Dow is interested in moving forward with a curve being LUSD plain pool, um, uh, curve LUSD plain pool being a stablecoin pool between two tokens that are pegged to the same currency. Um, we'll just note that you know LUSD has not proven to be a great stablecoin um, in the sense that you know its value has really only gone up over the past few months. Believe the price is about a dollar and four cents. So it's unclear whether a plain pool is even a good option to use for a BNLUSD pool, or perhaps a plain pool with an incredibly low A. But it should be noted that LUSD has not been worth. Uh, you know, within a couple of cents of a dollar for maybe a month or so. And someone please fact check that if that's correct. Um, but, you know, when when thinking about a BNL USD pool, want to make sure it's considered, uh, you know, kind of the, obviously the price invariant that is used in this pool. So on the development side, um, you know, when the exploit occurred, uh, believe that, you know, generalized convert in minting was days away from being uh, proposed formally. Um, this included, you know, obviously, or obviously the being LUSD pool had already been whitelisted into the silo, but this would have enabled convert, um, you know, in the, in the being LUSD pool. Um, it was still being kind of, uh, you know, architected how being LUSD would fit into minting, given that there is no native Oracle in the pool. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, uh, you know, convert and silo, the code was at least created. Um, it should be also mentioned that curve pools are very complex and intricate, and computing the price of a bean and USD through a plane pool and a meta pool is an extremely complex action as we're now taking oracles of two different types of pools and kind of using them together in tandem. Um, and again, you know, sufficient audits will need to be, you know, uh, performed on the code as, you know, generalized convert as it existed in the pre-replant state was never audited. Um, so, you know, lot, you know, uh, you know, just so um, I guess on the BNL USD side, there is existing work uh, for the BDV Oracle and the convert Oracle that could potentially be re-leveraged if properly assessed reviewed and audited. Um, so believe that kind of covers everything across the stack, both in terms of what would be needed for a bean ETH pool and a bean LUSD pool. Guess to open it now to questions, comments, uh, suggestions, maybe hand it back to you, Chad, if you have anything to, to say. Yeah, why don't we take a second here to uh, open it up to questions from anybody in the audience. So uh, if anybody wants to hop up on the mic, uh, feel free to ask questions or if you're server muted, let me know. Publius, would you say that uh, generalized minting and generalized convert are, you know, minimums before whitelisting any any pool into the silo? Not necessarily, and specifically on the minting front, like the ability to mint, you know, do, definitely don't imagine that minting will occur in every single pool whitelisted into the silo going forward. Um, you know. On the convert side, you know, the question gets a little fuzzy as, um, you know, we can all look back on that time period pre-exploit 
when generalized minting was not enabled. And, you know, there was clearly a large uptick in demand for bean. Um, Whether that demand was organic or inorganic is, you know, up to everyone's, you know, own fruition to kind of determine. Um, But there's definitely an argument to be made that, you know, kind of the lack of generalized convert across the liquidity pools led to uh, potential inorganic demand. Um, But, you know, ultimately, it's up to the DAO to determine whether it's worth it to add a pool if convert and minting are not enabled. Okay. And maybe the second point is, given that um, I believe most of the DAO, uh, their interest is in, uh, you know, changing the exposure from three curve to ETH. So I would I would imagine that the expectation is that if we're going to introduce a new pool, then they want to be able to switch their current exposure. So switching exposure from being three curve to being ETH would be possible with being to being ETH converts enabled, meaning the standard convert that already exists today would be possible. Converting from unripe being three curve to unripe being ETH would be a much more significant overhaul that would probably require the barn to be rewritten from the ground up. The barn is only written to assume and support that, or, you know, as, you know support the assumption that only one unripe LP vesting token will ever exist. So, you know, uh, the work to migrate unripe being three curve to being ETH, you know, could be done, you know, uh, kind of atomically if the entire DAO was in favor of shifting all the unripe liquidity into being ETH, but supporting both options as, you know, independent possible, you know, uh, independent options for, you know, existing unripe bean and unripe bean three cup holders um, is, you know, uh, a very serious overhaul. Thank you. And I think, I think this is clear. And, and now Jack did say, mentioned that the main reason we're having this conversation is, the, you know, I guess some, um, some members of the DAO have, have, have some worries on three curve. So I would imagine, again, that the expectation is if we're going to introduce a pool that farmers want to be able to switch, switch their exposure. And, and as you said, that's, that's a lot of work. Awesome. Um, maybe do we want to go to, uh, to Bryce? Bryce, are you with us? Yeah. Can you, can you hear me? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I had, um, I want to say more like two food for salt kind of, kind of thing. Um, and then do with that what, what you may, uh, let's say. So uh, the first thing is right now, Liquity is realizing there is a serious need for LUSD ETH-based liquidity instead of stable swap against other stable. And so kind of just raising that here, you know, you have your plans, but maybe there is a way to kind of make the two converge. So we're going to put some efforts toward that end in, in the coming months, weeks. And so, you know, if one way or another, the bin integration is also achieving something a kind of this, uh, that could be of, of interest, let's say. Uh, and the second thing is, uh, I can't remember uh, when, but like a few weeks ago, uh, some community members from, from Bind reached out uh, about a 
put on your uh, LUSD chicken bond fork. Uh, so I don't know if that rings a bell uh, for, for Bean. So I just wanted to check out on that. Like, have you guys given it more salt or what's up with it? Yeah, so I know some community members have been uh, interested in the chicken bonds model uh, and looking at how that might work on, on the beanstalk front. I think Breen in particular, who's here with us, has spent some time on that. Um, Breen, I don't know if you want to comment on that briefly, but uh, definitely, you know, open to, to having a conversation about that that as well, but probably want to stay focused on on the pools here. Yeah, we can talk about it, but I don't think it's 100% like on topic, like you said. Right, mm -hmm. development there is solely like community driven and not from from Beanstalk Farms, right? It's more like Beansprout initiative. All right. So just not right. Sure. So yeah. let's talk about that though, um, and maybe we can all have a a chat sometime soon. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess yeah, regarding the pool, then my main point is really um, you know around this LUSD scenario and um, yeah, thinking about how essentially. Liquidity wise, instead of you know stable swap liquidity against other stable, we kind of have enough of that for now. This is not what's going to help us to pay. So we're more looking in, I want to say a more x uh, times uh, y equal k type of distribution is LUSD or some slightly adjusted flavor of that. If that makes sense. Got it. And you're saying that's specifically what uh, Liquidity is interested in uh, at this time. Yeah. And so that's the kind of thing, I guess, where it would be much more easy to align, uh, you know, support or, I mean, we'll support, of course, you know, you're building something on top of LUSD. That's really cool. <laughs> Maybe I should start with that. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, to actually take this seriously and not be like the other projects going full USDC or, or, or you know, things like that. <laughs> that's obvious, I think, but still worth noting. Uh, but yeah, so I guess my point is more, you know, uh, we would definitely be able to allocate more resources if that's aligned toward this goal of diversifying liquidity in that direction for USD. Great. That's that's certainly helpful to know. So thanks for, for adding that context. And I, yeah, I mean, I think we should stay, uh, we should stay in touch as uh, the DAO considers uh, sort of the path forward here. Particularly if we, you know, decide to launch a LUSD pool, we should we should be in touch. So, um, yeah, I'll reach out to you. Awesome, thanks. Great. Maybe any other questions in the audience uh, on what Publius was discussing earlier? Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes. Uh, cool. Well. Uh, Publius, thanks for that uh, explanation. And I guess my question would be, um, it sounds like there you know, would be risks to pushing out new code, especially pushing it out quickly. Um, can you give us a feeling of just your sense of which option you know, would have less net risk um, for Beanstalk? Uh, or just talk a little bit about that, because obviously we wouldn't want to vote for something that introduced more risk vectors. Um, so I'm just wondering what your thoughts are there. What options, uh, I guess, of the ones discussed, um, you know, likely a Uniswap V2 pool, um, you know, specifically with ETH, just because 
that has been implemented on mainnet before it has been uh you know audited and you know you know it would be likely easier to reuse that code um and there's just in general less code um you know that be so you know from a pure security risk perspective um that would be the best option um but that's not to say that you know a, a uniswap v2b and lusd pool wouldn't only be slightly more uh you know difficult or risky um you know kind of when it comes to curve plane pools uh you know kind of in the case of a being lusd plane pool um you know that code has never been deployed on mainnet before uh you know some of it has been written for convert but you know that definitely introduces slightly more risk okay great thanks Cool. And, and maybe extending on that briefly, Publius, do you want to talk about uh, kind of what the sequence of uh, uh, of things to do would be to ship a Uniswap v2 pool again, um, particularly with respect to, you know, reusing existing code and, and that sort of thing? Um, you know, first step is, uh, you know, would be to deploy the pool and seed it with some base liquidity. Um, then, you know, propose a BIP to do any of the you know any combination of the three whether that's whitelisting into the silo convert or minting um in terms of what it would take to get the code ready from a development perspective um you know kind of first step would be implementing the silo bdv oracle um this would likely you know kind of or a good place to start would be to kind of go pull the beanstalk code pre-replant and look at how the BDV function for the Uniswap LP token and that code was performed and try to copy over some of those libraries. When it comes to convert, again, pull the pre-replant beanstalk repository and uh, look at the kind of convert facet and take the, you know, basically take the paths for being LUS or, or being ETH to and from, copy and paste those over into the current convert logic. And then for minting, um, you know, copy over the Oracle that was used pre-replant, um, incorporate that into the existing one and just make the existing Oracle uh, add the result of the two Oracles together. And, um, you know, at, at this point, there should be kind of three different pieces of code that were added to the existing repo. Uh, the first of which is just an upgrade to the BDV facet to include a view function that computes the price uh, or the value, the BDV of a you know Uniswap LP token. The second is two new convert types to convert from bean to bean ETH and from bean ETH to bean. Uh, we'll just say that a lot of that logic is incredibly messy. Um, and don't believe that the upgrade to generalized convert from just beneath was ever audited. Um, but it's probably likely to better to start with the generalized convert logic. Happy to send over uh, that commit hash. Probably going to have to do some digging to find it if anyone is interested in pursuing development on this issue. Um, similar for minting, um, you know, should, you know, uh, I guess the third piece of code would be upgrading. Uh, you know, the Sunrise facet to incorporate both pools and minting. Um, the storage reference variables to the old Oracle that was used for Beneath pre-replant 
still exist. Um, and those references could just be kind of re, re, you know, reused uh, in the Beneath Oracle if it was implemented the exact same way. Um, you know, kind of the final piece will be upgrading the existing oracles to account for any multi-block uh, MEV resistance. When it comes to minting, implying the same cap that was applied on the Bean 3 curve pool uh, might make sense here. And, um, you know, happy to discuss kind of, uh, you know, potential options for the, for the, the BDV side offline. Um, but guess just in general to discuss how the Beneath Oracle currently or, or worked pre-replant. Um, so in the Beneath pool, as mentioned earlier, there is no Oracle to determine the balances of the pool at the end of the previous block. So what the Bean ETH Oracle does is it first checks if the pool has been used in the current block. If a pool has been used in the current block, um, if the pool has been used in the current block, then it uses the TWAP over the season so far. If the pool has not been used in the current block, it uses the instantaneous values. And if it, the season, the sunrise, there's this weird edge case where if the sunrise occurred in the same block that the person is depositing and there was a swap in that block, then the transaction won't allow execution to happen as there's no way to kind of compute any sort of historical value. Um, you know, plenty of options here. It might make sense just to use the TWAP over the entire season so far and you know, not allow, uh, you know, deposits to occur in the first two or three blocks of a season or uh, to incorporate that Oracle resistance. Again, uh, or, 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 you know, I guess truly not an ideal solution, but given that, you know, the Oracle, the only Oracle available in Uniswap V2 is, you know, an arithmetic cumulative sum. It's hard to kind of, uh, you know, uh, speculate on what other good solutions may be to the multi-block MEV problem. So in terms of development time, how does this compare to finishing wells and just switching over to wells? What was the question? How difficult it would it be to switch over to wells or how much work is it relatively? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, the question that Dow has to look at is, okay, how long will it take to build out this Bean ETH Uniswap V2 uh, pool or versus, you know, how much more time are we looking at just to finish wells and use over switch over to that, which seems to be like the final solution to this problem. Totally. Um, so guess just to talk maybe a little bit about the state of wells, um, the core well functionality has been finished for a long time. Um, you know, the core well functionality being able to add, remove liquidity and swap. Um, the Oracle logic, which are these pumps that have been discussed uh, that can kind of be permissionlessly added to wells, um, is also, you know, pretty much wrapped up at this point, um, which means what is remaining on the well side is the kind of the three pieces of code that were discussed earlier, where, um, you know, the ability to, you know, support well tokens as stylo deposits, the ability to support well tokens for convert, and the ability to support, you know, minting in wells. Um, 
the plan for these three pieces of code were to generalize them as much as possible such that they would only have to be written once and thus you know kind of when you know we could or you know wells could kind of be modularly added to kind of the you know silo convert and minting all at the same time um you know and kind of that that level of generalization will require you know, will take, you know, significantly more work than just like a base implementation of, uh, you know, BDV for, you know, silo depositing, converting and minting. Um, if the DAO is interested in, you know, releasing a build that maybe only supported convert and silo whitelist uh, for specifically just the beneath pool, um, you know, that might be able to be extradited. Um but there's also another kind of topic that was recently brought up for discussion within the community. And that's the matter of should wells exist within the Beanstalk Diamond or exist as independent contracts? As currently implemented, wells, ex wells would exist in the Beanstalk Diamond and thus all tokens stored at wells would also be stored in Beanstalk. This introduces significant gas efficiencies, but also intro introduces potential security risk as one, Beanstalk is an upgraded contract that is currently controlled by, uh, you know, a, a multi-sig. And two, um, you know, if there was an exploit that allowed funds to be stolen from the Beanstalk contract, then all of the tokens in the wells would be able to be stolen. Um, in the case where wells exist as separate contracts from Beanstalk, um, if the LP tokens are not deposited in the silo, they would not be able to be stolen if there was a way to basically extract all the funds from Beanstalk, as was seen in the April exploit. Um, you know, however, anyone who adds liquidity to a well and then goes and deposits those LP tokens into the silo um, you know, there's no difference in re regards to, you know, that person's, uh, or, or I guess those funds, as if the LP tokens can be stolen, so can the, the actual balances of tokens in the wells. So if, if, you know, the majority of LP of well tokens are going to sit in Beanstalk anyways, there's marginal benefit to separating the wells out as external contracts. However, you know, uh, you know, we have seen several eBIPs pop up. Obviously, uh, in April there was an exploit, um, so it's it's very you know it should definitely be considered by the DAO overall whether you know kind of the general sentiment is to have wells be external contracts that are gonna you know be uh, you know maybe twenty, thirty, forty percent more expensive from a gas uh, from a from a gas price. Um, but introduce at least a marginal additional security from the fact that people who add liquidity and don't deposit the L, you know, the LP tokens at Beanstalk will not, um, you know, be able to have their funds stolen if there is an exploit in Beanstalk again. Um, if the DAO wants to consider, you know, continue forward with the path of uh, leaving the wells in Beanstalk, um, you know, then you know, spinning up some sort of solution to whitelist the beneath pool um you know can be done quicker but if the well wants or if the dow wants you know or you know wants to uh, general community wants to consider decoupling the wells as separate contracts then you know there'll be at least you know several weeks of work required to separate that out um 
you know, so a lot of considerations still to be made on the well side and kind of, I guess the, you know, kind of the options are, you know, try to push out a MVP being ETH well, that's not as abstracted and generalized as, you know, ultimately wells should be um, versus just waiting for the full well implementation spec to be ready. Um, and then the second question is, you know, continue forward with wells uh, as a part of Beanstalk or move wells to external contracts. So those three things that you listed in the beginning that need to be done to add wells to the silo, those also need to be done for the Uniswap V2 pool if there were to be a Bean ETH pool, correct? Yes, correct. Um, the one point that was noted is, you know, that logic has previously existed and thus does exist in some form. Um, but definitely adapting it to the current Beanstalk is going to be, you know, uh, a non-trivial amount of work regardless. But you are correct. So just curious, how we, what kind of time estimation would you put at doing the work for the Bean ETH uh, Uniswap pool versus the MVP of Bean ETH with Wells? Uh, apologies, what was the question? Yeah, sorry. Um, the, the question is basically, how much time would it take to get like an MVP of Wells with Bean ETH versus an MVP of the Uniswap V2 with Bean ETH? Uh, you know, <laughs> development times are always incredibly difficult to estimate. Um, you know, would argue on a relative basis, uh, you know, probably getting the wells ready is going to take, you know, probably 2x the amount of work that would require to get a Uniswap Beneath pool going. Um, you know, how much work that actually is, is obvious. It's, it's incredibly hard, uh, you know, to estimate that given, you know, there'll be at least... Uh, you know, probably somewhere between, uh, you know, uh, up, you know, probably two to three weeks of dev work for the beneath pool, and then it will need to be audited for, you know, probably somewhere, you know, up to a month, um, and then, you know, a week of friction and maybe a bip. So regardless, you know, just deploying kind of any code to Beanstalk is going to be, a, you know, potentially a multi-month process. Regardless, just if, it, you know, obviously, you know, only if the DAO. Uh, you know, cares about making sure code is audited, which is, you know, probably a good standard to, uh, to hold. Um, but, you know, just in, it's hard to move fast regardless. I see. So given basically an eight week minimum to get the Uniswap V2, I'm curious, what are our backup options? Uh, if USDT starts to fail, you know, we wake up tomorrow and it's 99% of the curve pool, the three curve pools with USDT. Uh, then how can we preserve the value that we have invested into Beanstalk? In its current form, if tomorrow, you know, USDT is 99% of the curve pool, then, you know, 99% of Beans liquidity will be with, you know, USDT. Um, you know, in, in the short term, you know, ways to mitigate that, um, you know, given the majority of liquidity currently sits in, you know, ERB Bean 3 curve, um, and as discussed, it's incredibly hard to migrate that, um, you know, uh, there can, you know, potentially other solutions to maybe migrate a piece or part of that, uh, could be considered, you know, like permanently, you know, we'll just do a one-time migration of 50% of the bean three key underpinning or bean three curve to beneath or something. Um, and then new, new fertilizer will continue to create bean three curve. Um, but, you know, 
there'll be some proportional representation of every or being three curve owns, you know, some proportion of being three curve and some proportion of being ETH LP. Um, you know, that could potentially be an option. But then again, it's like without, without, you know, introducing new code, uh, you know, moving that or being three curve away from 100% uh, being three curve exposure is, you know, it's hard to see a path forward that doesn't require code that entails of a full art audit. Awesome. Um, Publius, I know you need to, you need to jump now. So I wanted to say thanks for, for jumping into all of this, all this stuff. Maybe we can keep the other, the other Publius around and continue this, continue this conversation. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Sweet. I want to circle back uh, to questions from from Nasdaq from uh, a little bit ago. So to start with the first one, uh, it reads: the main reason we are having this conversation is because of potential USDT DPEG risk. Do we have any emergency plans in place if USDT begins losing peg, such as perform X action at USDT ninety cents? Are there any ways we could quickly act to preserve our liquidity? Maybe a Publius, if you have if you have thoughts on this, um, feel free to hop in. So I'll also have to hop here in a second. The short answer is at the moment there is nothing to do. Uh, in theory, because the BCM is the owner of Beanstalk, they could do whatever they wanted to the contract. But at the moment, there's no way to do that in a in a semi-autonomous fashion. And the BCM doesn't have any sort of approval from the DAO to do the to do anything like that. Uh, generally, it, it, let's play out a scenario where the BIP, like a BIP, was passed to authorize the BCM to act in certain instances. Frankly, not even sure that's something that the BCM would want to, like a responsibility that the BCM would want to accept. And in such an instance, it seems like the more prudent thing to do would be simply to migrate all of the liquidity somewhere else at one time, if that was what the DAO wanted to do. Uh, but, but at the moment, there's basically nothing to do. Uh, in theory, th because there's no other liquidity pool that Beans trade in to migrate liquidity to, the only thing that could really happen would be the removal of the Beans recurve from the liquidity pool by the BCM and the liquidation of that recurve into either ETH or USDC and DAI or something other than USDT. But the, the point is that this is a very ugly, regardless, it's an ugly solution that would require a lot of manual judgment and input. And that's very much antithetical to being stuck now. With that said, hard to let ethos get in the way of life. And if USDT did collapse, this is a scenario that we've, We've all considered and spoken about pretty much at length, but just to reiterate, it's unlikely, at least from our estimation, that USDT would go to zero uh, as opposed to trading at some somewhat significant discount uh, to, to a dollar, in which case, uh, as Publius was saying earlier, if all of the bean three curve liquidity was trading against USDT, that would basically mean that beans were now worth whatever USDT was worth, more or less. And it is, yeah, it's a, 
that wouldn't necessarily fuck Beanstalk other than from the perspective that its liquidity was down and now the value that it was trading against was it, it is lower. Uh, and I guess in theory, in its current state, also the value that it's pegged to would be lower uh, because it assumes the value of three curve. Uh, or excuse me, it assumes the value of each token underneath three curve to be a dollar. And so, yeah, there's no pretty solutions at the moment. And frankly, this is one of the main risks that, from our perspective, underlies Beanstalk. And that's why, from our perspective, there's no time better spent than time spent on the wells to get Beanstalk to a place where it's not dependent on any, any single currency to, to survive. And currently, the fact that Beans trade against three curve, that is the case. So, uh, yeah, with that, I'll also have to hop uh, shortly, but maybe can take uh, one or two more questions before the bottom of the hour here. Cool. Any questions for Publius from, uh, from the audience? So if we wanted to go with a MVP option for a bean ETH pool with the silo work uh, going to skip the generalized um, silo option, but instead just go for an MVP of let's let's get the bean ETH uh, well out as fast as possible, what kind of a time difference would that mean in terms of getting it deployed? And also, would that require a, um, a vote by the DAO? Yeah, so ultimately, anything will require a, a BIP and a vote from the DAO in terms of upgrading Beanstalk uh, to support a given LP token. Uh, but perhaps the only thing that at this point really needs to be decided is what is the optimal path forward for us collectively. And in terms of exact timelines, uh, yeah, very hard to say, but it seems like it's the the margin is on the on the order of a couple weeks uh, in terms of doing it on Uniswap versus the Wells, and obviously the Wells gets us a lot closer to where we're hopefully heading, anyways. Uh, so, yeah, that that seems to be where we're at at the moment. So it sounds like what Publius would prefer to do is continue on with the Wells with the more generalized uh, solution for the silo. So from our perspective, think that we're going to continue to work on the wells, but are very much happy to support and help anyone else that wants to work on the Uniswap implementation. Uh, perhaps perhaps uh, it's reasonable to say we're amenable to changing course there, but uh, at least in terms of what, what we'd like to spend our time doing, uh, don't really see much fruit in, in the Uniswap option. Awesome. We're gonna to need to wrap this up in about about two minutes here. Uh, so maybe we'll take the last last few to kind of summarize everything everything here. Um, I guess first of all, you know everything's recorded here, so um, we'll get the recording up. Canadian Bennett can uh, if you could drop that link whenever it's ready. That that'd be awesome. So if anybody wants to review, I know there's a lot a lot going on. Uh, I guess to kind of uh, to ask the crowd here. Curious if there's any questions we feel like are still are still pending, and you know would love if anybody wants to shout those out or write them down in the barnyard chat. Uh, that would be that'd be great. And you know I think at least from the Beanstalk Farm side of things, can try to circle back and, and help get some of those answered. 
yeah, so any any questions on on the brain remaining? And I'll just say we can continue this discussion as well in tomorrow's class uh, to anyone, you know, if you think about it and, and want to continue it, we can continue it in tomorrow's class as well. That sounds great. Yeah, just as a reminder, Publius highlighted this a moment ago, but, um, you know, ultimately Beanstalk's an open source piece of code and the commit history with respect to previous implementations with Uniswap v2 is still available. And so if there's any developers out there or you happen to know any developers who are interested in you know taking a stab at this uh there's there's plenty of resources available it'll certainly require some re-engineering and refactoring to account for all of the the upgrades that have occurred to beanstalk over the last six six months or so but um if the, if you're interested in doing that you know ping uh ping somebody on beanstalk farms and we'll we'll help get you uh get you that information Awesome. Well, with that, um, thanks everyone for, for joining and um, hope to see you on class tomorrow.